Hello and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail and I'm joined today as always by... Brendan Rorison and it's been a while since we've actually recorded Adam but for today's games I think that we're definitely tapping into that more niche part of our audience because um, this is a title that probably goes under the radar of even the most ardent racing fans and we've kind of spent a good amount of time playing these despite the fact that well, for one of the games, uh, you can't really source it anymore due to licensing issues. And for the other, hard copies of it are incredibly expensive for some reason. I'm, of course, talking <laughs> about uh, GTI Club and GTI Club Super Mini Festa. Yeah, this is on track to be the most esoteric uh, niche show we've done, you know, in, in a topic that is already pretty niche so i'm expecting record low listens on this one but um you know the funny thing about gti club is it's a series that uh and i use series in kind of a loose term because there are multiple games in it but it's so just out of like just off the radar and just out of the picture especially these days basically you know konami had this arcade racing game in the mid-90s called GTI Club that was only in the arcades. And it had a lot of interesting ideas, um, you know, in, in that classic, you know, shake up the racing genre tradition or whatever. But I think this game actually really brought a lot of interesting ideas to the genre at the time when things were very inventive and, you know, you, you had different developers all over the world trying new things in a way that doesn't really happen today you know where everything's sort of um more one note and so you know gti club mid 90s arcade racing game there was a sequel in the 2000s and it never really left the arcades and i i have never seen one in the u.s uh you know arcades here are difficult to come by to begin with but uh yeah yeah, i've never seen one uh in person and i don't know if the game was ever localized here but so the interesting thing about that is, like, even in terms of the UK as well, we had a pretty prominent arcade scene. But GTI Club, for me, in terms of that machine, was heavily limited to like mainland Europe. So I'd see it on holidays. If I was like, in Spain or something, I've occasionally seen a GTI Club machine. But it definitely seems as if it was more kind of in the few numbers that it seemed to exist in that kind of mainland Europe area. So the UK was similar, Adam. That actually explains a lot, uh, because just to go through a you know a brief kind of history of the series. So in '96 you have the first game, uh, and and to just loosely describe the way these games work, uh, you have a collection of super mini type, uh, you know, very like subcompact uh, rally car style hatchbacks, and and you got your mini, you got your Renault Five, uh, you got your Lancia Delta, stuff like that. And you're racing around this pseudo open world. It's um, you know a pretty uh, rudimentary open world for the time, but for the time it also must have been uh, you know super novel um, if you consider when the game was coming out. And the whole idea is that you race in this you know small world that has a number of different streets and paths you can take, and you try and find the the, the quickest one. And the Handling model is very cartoonish. Uh, It's very, you know, the cars kind of move in sort of ridiculous ways. Um, And it's almost like a cross between like a kart racer and like a more conventional arcade racing game. 
And within that, there are loads of different modes that we'll get into, especially as we talk about the later entries. But you had that game come out in 96. In 2000, there was a sequel called uh, GTI Club Corso Italiano, (laughs) which interestingly, and I had not realized this, uh, was localized differently in a few different markets. Now, this game is so under the radar that I don't know where it was localized as which title, but uh, (laughs) depending on where you played it, it was Corso Italiano, or it was called GTI Club 2, or, and, and this one I did see, in the UK, it was called Driving Party. Uh, which is okay. pretty funny uh, but they just you know which honestly like I would think that the UK would be more into playing a game called GTI Club than Driving Party but that's just me Driving Party to me seems like the title you would give it in America where you know nobody's yeah. going to give a shit <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would agree with that I think as well like UK culture in general is very embracive of the whole hot hatch thing so right, I think right. like GTI Club alone is a name that kind of catches people's attention Driving Party is interesting because in terms of the game's actual contents and stuff, I suppose it's a fairly literal descriptor, but it just doesn't sound that interesting really, does it? No, I mean it sounds like the kind it sounds like a penny racers type thing, which which I know you're a big fan, but it it just seems yeah. kind of vague, you know, you, you don't really know what you're getting into. But yeah, and then what's interesting is GTI Club took a very long uh, hiatus or dormancy which I, I would have imagined at the time and, and back in the day I didn't know these games existed you know they, they were never seen in the US and the internet was kind of novel so you know I didn't know they were around but it took another eight years for Konami to bring back the series <laughs> and at that point I imagine people must have thought like it was a forgotten racing game it was essentially dead But what's really interesting is the way that Konami brought it back because (laughs) so in in 2008, we had GTI Club Plus uh, Rally uh, Cote Cote d'Azur, which was the Sumo Digital essentially developed this as a reboot of the original GTI Club. And it has the same city as the original GTI Club, has the same cars, um, plays quite differently because Sumo you know, was, I, I don't, I don't know for sure, but you know, I, I could see maybe they were taking some of the technology they developed for the Sonic and Sega All-Stars racing games and OutRun or something. Well, probably not OutRun because that was, that was more AM2 stuff, but it looks and feels like a sumo developed game, especially in comparison to the earlier ones. But simultaneously, there was another game in the arcade that came out the same year called GTI Club Super Mini Festa. And that version was brought home in 2010, two years later, on the PSP and the Wii. So, these two games, uh, Super Mini Festa and GTI Club Plus, which was developed by Sumo Digital, very different. Like, they look different, they play differently. It's a lot like you have two different teams kind of seeing the same game, and they're like, right, we want to develop our, you know, we want to kind of recreate that in in the best way we can, but going about it in two very different fashions without the same source material. And what's crazy is Super Mini Festa, like, I can't stress enough, like, Konami developed this, and actually it's, it's not really advertised, but Genki was uh, yeah. worked on it as well, which you, you would only really know by, by looking at the credits. And 
I can't stress enough how different these two games are. They, they, they barely share any real similarities beyond uh, both games having the kind of the Monaco track, obviously. I mean, it, it's so interesting because I, I was a pretty big fan of GTI Club Plus, like from the off, really, on PlayStation 3, because it was at that point where the kind of the PSN game thing had just kind of kicked off and you were getting these smaller titles that weren't getting full releases. It's very much a kind of novel concept on consoles, at least. So when I seen there was a racing game there right away, I was like, oh, perfect. And I remember like really enjoying it and, and loving it. And then it wasn't until I seen a GTI Club Super Mini Festa cab in a, an Irish airport and seen this totally different game. I was like, wait, what's happening here? Like, what is this game? <laughs> I have no idea what this is. And at that point, I didn't even know there was a home console version, obviously, because I'd never seen it before. And then when I found that out as well, it's just odd how there's a good eight years between Konami deciding to kind of revive this series and as we'll discuss as well, both of these games are very, very good in very different ways. Super Mini Festa almost has a an obsessive level of like detail to the career mode and stuff and the, the amount of modes, it's very fleshed out and uh, there's obviously kind of bad sides to it as well, but it's just a surprisingly in-depth title, especially on the consoles it released. And GTI Club Plus is almost the complete opposite. It's more of a, right, let, let's take what the arcade game is good at, let's package it in a way console players will love, make sure online multiplayer is there, uh, include Bomb Tag out of the mini modes that Super Mini Festa has, and Bomb Tag's the only one that really makes it across. And... Yeah, it, it's an it was, it's just crazy. Like GTI Club got this amount of love because it's not really something that you would expect to see nowadays. But it also falls right into that time period we often find ourselves talking about. There was definitely a, a racing game renaissance in that kind of late oh like late, late kind of 2000, 2010s. We were getting kind of racing games from every angle, and maybe we didn't actually appreciate it enough at the time compared to nowadays where. There's very much a specific type of racing game that gets made in different ways. Yeah, and you know, it's really expressed in the way that GTI Club Plus, it's called Rally Coat these are like the first one, and you know, that game very much is a remake of the original arcade game. Uh, the best way to put it is you know, it's it's almost like if you take like say it, it like Sega Rally Online Arcade versus Sega Rally Revo, like I'm online arcade, I mean, kind of a different example because they're both both on the same technology, but online arcade is literally Sega Rally 3, you know, with, with different cars. Um, and within that, you have that classic mode, right, where you could race on the desert track with the Celica and the and the Delta. And to me, that's almost like what uh, Rally Cote d'Azur is. Um, because... Uh, you know GTI Club Plus because it it remakes the original game in a very literal sense with very different technology uh, and and you know we can't obscure the fact that Sumo Digital worked on the uh, on the online arcade conversion right so um, Sumo Digital had their hands in a lot of arcade racing games at this time <laughs> but you have that and and I played that back in the day and that's how I learned about these games and I enjoyed it. But GTI Club Plus kind of has that issue for me that a lot of remakes of old 
Japanese arcade racers do by other teams where they're not Japanese or not associated with the original content where it it's good but it sort of misses the point you know we, we talked about this with regard to hotshot racing we've talked about this with regard to uh, that victory heat rally game a lot of other racing games and 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 my issue with GTI Club Plus is if you look at the original GTI Club games they're very dark, they're very grainy, they have a yeah. very Rage Racer type aesthetic to them. You know, you look at Ridge Racer <laughs> yeah. and Ridge Racer Revolution and you compare those colors and that color palette and that design everything to Rage. They're two completely different aesthetics. And the GTI Club, the first game and the second game, as well as Super Mini Festa, all had that sort of gritty aesthetic to them. And I think it was part of like the old world Europe, you're driving like old minis and Renault fives and stuff like that. You look at old films of, you know, re recordings and footage of, I don't know, uh, Paris or Rome or something like that in the eighties and things are going to look kind of sepia toned. And, and I think that's what they were going for. I think that's what Konami was going for with these games, but GTI club plus is it's a blue skies arcade racer. And yeah. that's cool. <laughs> But to me, that's not what it's about. And I, 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 I always kind of lament the fact that a lot of the times when you bring up arcade racing today, people immediately go to that, oh, Blue Skies, OutRun, Daytona. It's like, yeah, I like that too, but I also like these kind of different flavors that we get. And, and I think GTI Club actually is more endearing because of it, because you don't see games like that anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I think that from a kind of an intrigue point of view, GTI Club Plus right away just looks like a game that has been made many different times and had many different pretenders. But like you're saying, there's something about the way Super Manifesta looks by comparison that feels a lot more authentic to what GTI Club was trying to recreate. I get like Sumo going down the route of trying to create this kind of 60 FPS smooth colourful experience because it's an arcade racing game and that's what people kind of expect to see but I mean it, it's pretty interesting when you think about that because by comparison to the way that GTI Club Plus was received compared to Super Mini Festa like people were really harsh about Super Mini Festa when it came out and it came to reviews and stuff and I feel as if at least an element of that is probably because it doesn't look like what people perceive as an arcade racing game it definitely kind of that it dips into that more realistic aesthetic and people then start to view it in line of that which doesn't really make any sense i think that super manifesta is definitely the more interesting of the two having played both extensively now obviously i was more experienced with plus but super manifesta's kind of vibe and atmosphere and crucially as well the soundtrack is just like so fantastic and it's uh it's it's also one of those games that almost embraces the level of jank that it has, especially compared to Plus. Plus feels like a very kind of refined, perfected model of the, the arcade racer, the original. Whereas Super Mini Festa has like loads of these kind of weird individual like handling quirks, and the the game runs frame rate wise like it's not it's far from perfect, and from a fidelity point of view, it's not exactly the prettiest either. But there's just something so endearing about how that jank almost kind of factors into the personality of the game and it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah, I, I like that you bring up, you always bring up like critical reception, which is something I always kind of forget 
uh, to talk about. And yeah, if you look at the Metacritic scores for a Super Mini Festa, holy shit, nobody liked this game. Yeah. Uh, Eurogamer <laughs> gave it a, uh, I mean, as as uh, Metacritic would call it, a 20, which is crazy. And there's like no yeah. reviews because nobody played it. I think a lot of people dismiss this as just like a budget title. And yeah. if you'd played GTI Club Plus, you would probably assume like okay this game's gonna be on the wii and the psp it's probably exactly the same the messaging <laughs> was so confused by konami and also yeah. like just the, the the very concept to basically pay two different teams to make the same kind of game but make it twice like it's just <laughs> tremendously you know and this is 2008 2009 2010 we're, we're coming you know we're right in the doldrums of the recession and I just do not understand why they did this. You know, I don't understand why you either didn't have Sumo Digital make Plus and make Plus kind of the game on every platform and the arcade, or just do the in-house version like Super Mini Festa and then have that one come to the PS3 as well. Like, it's very confused. Uh, and, you know, we keep talking about how these games are so different. And I think that, you know, the main focus of this one is going to be Super Mini Festa because that's the one that we've both been able to play recently. You really can't get yeah. GTI Club Plus again unless you already bought it back in the day, which is a shame. Uh, I, I had it, but I actually switched PlayStation accounts, so I kind of lost access to it, which is uh, disappointing. But Super Mini Festa, the great thing about that is it was on the Wii, it was on the PSP. Two systems are pretty easy to emulate these days, and I was actually playing the PSP version via the Vita. And, you know, it's funny, Brendan, you, you say there's a lot of jank. And it, I, I will say it's less refined than than Plus, for sure, or at least how I remember Plus. But I actually found, like, the, the graphically and with the frame rate, the game's very consistent. You know, it's 30. It doesn't really try to, yeah, yeah. Doesn't try to go above that, but it's on the PSP. And I found it was actually pretty well, you know, locked to 30 compared to, say the outrun uh, coast-to-coast port on the PSP, which is very feature-rich, but very inconsistent frame rate-wise, and it kind of it kind of harms the game a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, to be fair, it's one of these ones where because we both played the portable version, you've always got to have that caveat to the experience, but I can't imagine the Wii version kind of really benefited, aside from a, a higher resolution, of course, uh, in some ways to play on TV, because... I mean, we already talked about the fact that this game existing in itself is a bit of an anomaly, so I can't imagine that the, the ports differ that much. Obviously, if people have played the Wii version, they can correct us on that, but I imagine the experience is pretty similar across both as well. Yeah, and and just the nature of, of you know any kind of Wii third-party game back in the day, you were going to assume it was done with the least amount of care unfortunately uh <laughs> yeah. and, and i think that's why a lot of people missed it but yeah so so to talk more about super manifesto and hone in on that game uh we can start with the things that we like um the concept of gti club the open world with multiple paths the way that the cars kind of cartoonishly handle the selection of cars on offer in super manifesto is astoundingly deep like way deeper than you would ever think and i mean you have new and old hot hatches like renault for example you had the clio v6 you had the magan rs but you also had the renault 5 turbo um lantia delta 
the uh, Abarth uh, SS, uh, both the new version and the old one that had kind of the, uh, you know, the engine in the back and had the raised cover and, and you just get to see the engine from the back. And, you know, it's, it's remarkably deep in that sense. You can also modify these cars. After every, like, other event you do, you have the ability to either upgrade your car's um, uh, performance in a, in a couple different ways. Uh, or you can spend the cosmetic upgrade. And the way in which the game kind of doles these out is very slow and requires it to be kind of grindy. But it also always gives you something to look forward to. Like, you know you're going to get an upgrade at the end of every race in the, in the quest mode, so that's kind of cool. Uh, I, I really like how deep this game is in terms of tracks as well, because you have... I think five, you have uh, France, UK, Italy, US, and Japan. I believe that's all of them. And yeah. they all have the same kind of open world. And the funny thing is, I, I think the only one that returns, I, I'm not sure that the Italy track in Super Mini Fest is the same as the one in the second game because no one's been able to ever play the second game. But um, uh, the, the, the France track is the same. Uh, and that that's kind of the link that connects all of these games is that that Cote d'Azure track uh, is the same in the first game, is the same in Super Mini Festa, and is the same in GTI Club Plus. And that returns. And then you have all these extra tracks. And you would maybe be thinking, like, they're going to miss something. Like, the, there's no way that the new courses are going to be as deep as the old one was. But they actually, in a lot of cases, are better. Like, the track design this game is just... It's, it really is on another level. Uh, all of the cities have their own feel to them. U.S. is based in, like, midtown Manhattan. Uh, so you get you get Times Square. But, I mean, not even midtown. It kind of is a... Is a it packs New York into this really tiny city. So you have uh, the Brooklyn Bridge, but you also have... Uh, Central Park, and you also have Times Square. Um, you also have kind of a part that's like the tunnel, sort of running running along the edge of the city, like the FDR or something. And and it just kind of it's it's overflowing with personality. And the same is true of the London track that has a has like a football stadium in the middle of it, which is really cool. Yeah. And it has this little <laughs> section that's like kind of evocative of like London Victoria Station. And you know, the Italian one's the same way, and the, the Japanese one kind of has, like, you know, sort of the Tokyo Expressway section, but you could dive out of the expressway and go in within the, the, the city streets, and you will you will lose a ton of time that way, but that choice is available to you. Uh, and this game just has so much personality, you know, and that's what I love about it. It's so rich, it's so deep, uh, in a way that Plus wasn't, because Plus was more of an arcade remake, and... That's why I was so floored. When I started playing this game about a month ago, I was saying in the Time Extend Discord, I said to you and, and everyone else, like, this might be my favorite PSP racer now because Oof, wow. I just never expected this from it, you know? Um, as you play the game more, the warts begin to show, but that was the initial impression. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, everything about the game is just so so much deeper than you think like there there's that kind of feeling about it when you first boot it up that and especially if you're only familiar with plus coming into it that you'll get a few tracks you'll get a few cars and then you'll play the fun game modes but like you're saying like it's not even just the, the incredible car list that's here and it's not just the kind of 
surface level amount of customization that there, there is so much beyond that in the customization front it's incredible the amount of different like different decals that are in there full-on different liveries um you can basically turn every car in the game into some form of like rally car yep. as well yep. an s2000 category or whatever there's <laughs> just there's an incredible amount of detail in the entire game when it comes to that and even i found myself messing about with like car football a lot more than I thought I would purely because compared to something like Rocket League where that's the whole thing so it's like everything's kind of perfect and incredibly thought out like I just like the fact that GTI clubs is basically they, they take these predetermined physics throw a ball in there and then it's just like as much kind of chaos as you can imagine there's so many times the ball just gets pinged about because it's been crushed between two cars and it's just a fantastically fun experience and I can only imagine multiplayer-wise how great that would have been. And uh, yeah, in terms of the track design as well, just to comment on that, there are, there are so many like nice interesting elements to the track design when it comes to the gameplay as well. So I think I recall you kind of finding out this on the Discord, Adam, but basically the whole idea of the curb boost mechanic yes. isn't really even explained by the game Not at, at all. all. Not at all. <laughs> Yeah. effectively like if you manage to to rail two wheels onto the curb it just gives the car this like, tiny amount of boost and it isn't something that at first seems as if it's even necessary or worth the hassle but because of the ridiculous difficulty spike that comes later unless you've mastered this mechanic and some of these tracks have so many curbs that you can use like the london track like you've just you're, you're not even going to get anywhere near the front of the pack and to be honest the difficulty spike is that severe it still kind of leaves you a bit hanging but yep. Um, it's, the game has a very nice kind of trajectory of progression till, for some reason, it just gets to a point where it's almost like, I don't know what would be a comparison to say for levels of difficulty, but it's just that hard that it's totally demoralising because yep. you literally can't identify where the speed is. Yeah, it, you have to play this game in a very different manner from any arcade racer you've ever played. Once you realise the curb dash, and, and to be honest, like, the way the quest mode is lined up, you have the beginner and the, the intermediate and then advanced. And basically, each level of the quest mode throws you into one of the, or throws you into all of the game's cities. And in each city, you have maybe three or four or five challenges. And the challenges are all very different. This game has a lot of different modes that are honestly all pretty similar, but uh, a lot of them are pretty similar. Like you have bomb tag and prize grabbing. Uh, battles which are essentially the same the bomb tag battle is um keep away well no the, the the prize grabbing one is keep away and the other one is is giveaway essentially you don't want to have the bomb whereas in the prize <laughs> one you, you yeah. want to have the gift so it's they're they're very kind of like you know predictable ways of doing these modes but they're fun um you know you have the uh the traffic battle with them or you have the, the the kind of race mode that one of them's a traffic battle so you have traffic in that one the one without traffic is the same thing but there's no traffic it's it's predictable but it works the trouble is that you have to drive these courses especially later in the game you can get by as i did in the beginner and maybe part of the intermediate stages without using the curb dash or without even knowing that the curb dash is there because to be honest the game as you said brendan does not ever explain it <laughs> so there is a dash uh stat for your car 
But you, you yeah. don't know what that refers to. I was constantly confused. I thought it had to do with slipstream because you get a slipstream boost in this game. But yeah, the, the way you want to approach the dash is you want to kind of ride the curb, but you sort of want to straddle it. You don't want to be all on it and you don't want to be all off of it. So, you know, keep that in mind, but then also keep in mind that the racing line is not where the curbs are. So all of the things that you've learned playing racing games your entire life about like, you know, or just racing in general, you want to be on the line, uh, no longer matters. And basically you want to hug the inside part of every single corner. And some of these courses get really narrow, like super, super narrow. And it gets really tough to be able to maintain that. And, and when you get that dash, the speed pickup is, you know, it, it makes the game twice as fast. And, <laughs> Absolutely. And it just becomes, it, it, it really becomes like 200cc mode, honestly. I think as well, it's something that a lot of games are actually pretty bad at, but like, GTI Club Super Manifest is brilliant at making you realise over time as you progress how tight the tracks are, if that makes sense. So when you start off and you have the stock kind of slower cars, you're like, eh, the tracks are tight, but these small cars are made to fit in here. And then you try doing like the, the major London shortcut just after the start line, once you get up the speed classes oh, yeah. and your Mini Cooper's basically a rally car. And they fucking threw a tiny curb into that shortcut as well. So like you can like almost kind of try and grind this tiny curb through that that shortcut. And it, be it isn't a case of, oh, that'll help you win the race. It becomes a necessity. And what starts as a track that you might see as your favourite, the, the higher speed you go, the more difficult and painful it becomes. Oh and it's God. funny that you kind of go to that 200cc reference right away Adam because I know you're not a fan of 200cc so that leads me to ask the question when the game got that quick towards the end did you start to fall out with it a bit totally you, you still totally yeah. I mean look quest mode I was addicted to this game I, there was one day I played it for probably like you know five hours straight one day I just I don't know maybe I had like F1 or MotoGP practice or something on and I just kind of had like racing on the background on like a Saturday or a Sunday and and I just played this game and it, it was it was joyous when I was doing the beginner and intermediate like to me this was like this is what I want like in terms of reinventing arcade racers of course bear in mind this game came out 11 years ago but um, I think it's one of the more authentic recreations of the 90s style arcade racer than a lot of developers have ever tried to do yes. but the problem is that that fun and and love for the game very quickly disappears when you get about halfway through the intermediate campaign <laughs> and the quality of life the combination of the absurd difficulty spike which makes this one of the hardest racing games i've ever played i'm not i'm not exaggerating when i say this like this is this is up there uh, with with the, the F-Zero GXs, I think, and stuff. Um, it's a combination of the difficulty spike and also just the the, the, the lack of quality of life uh, just kind of decisions in this game and the design really begins to show when you get towards the end because they don't explain the curb dash as we as we talked about. The game never, never tells you the time or the score required to get certain medals. So you can get, you know, bronze, silver, gold. Then there's a platinum medal, which is sometimes there and sometimes not. I don't know if it's like always there for every race but or every event. But 
for example, when you're doing the the races, it's not enough to finish first because a lot of it's it's mostly one on ones in the quest mode. You have yeah. to also do the entire race under a certain time, but you're never told what that time is. So you just have to do it over and over again and hope that you've done it quickly enough. And yeah, it just, it makes the game painful. Uh, the other thing too is that like the way that the cars are given to you, you have this vast roster of really cool hatchbacks that you can choose from, but the way that the game doles out upgrades it will only allow you to upgrade cars that you drive and the way that the difficulty ramps up it discourages you from driving all of the different cars you're actually much better served if you just drive the same car over and over again or if you get a new car because basically the game always gives you a choice after after a certain number of events where you can unlock one of like four cars and if like early in the game those cars are all like level one you know they're all pretty slow but later in the game those same cars that, that you haven't taken yet could be level three or level four so if you make the decision to unlock a car early in the game and you don't upgrade it that car is basically pointless to use ever again you know it it, it yeah. you end up with maybe two or three out of the like 15 cars that this game has which is a lot when you consider that they're all kind of hot hatches yeah you end up in the situation where it's like, I want to drive car X, you know, I want to drive the auto Bianchi or whatever, but it, 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 I unlocked it early in the game and I never upgrade it. And it's literally just worthless and stuff like that really makes a game tough when you get into the late game. And it's unfortunate because I, I think if they put more thought into the progression, the difficulty, uh, it, it might actually be like my favorite racing game on the system and one of the best arcade racing games uh, past the millennium. But yeah, it, it it just is its own worst enemy a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of these strange scenarios where what seems like something that won't be too much of an issue in a lot of that first half of the game, it becomes, you can't ignore it by the, the, the second half of the game like you're saying. And you just wish the game had some of those quality of life improvements that could make it a bit more straightforward to to manage cars that you've kind of maybe forgot about and not like leveled up and the likes of that and then even in terms of the car roster itself obviously we've commended it throughout the podcast but i also feel as if like your, your renault megans and stuff are just that little bit too big as well yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. You, you really need to stick to those smaller cars where possible and, and if you've already kind of used those in the early part of the game and forgot to kind of upgrade them as much as necessary i'd be very keen to hear if anybody's actually managed to, to beat these harder events with the bigger cars because they they make the game even more difficult mm -hmm. when you when you top the speed off on top of that um so the, the focus and the megan just feel a wee bit space is uh, such a premium and then like me yeah. as someone who loves the delta i upgrade the delta all the way but you know, this is a game where the Lancia Delta Integrale is too large. Like it, <laughs> it it's it's crazy. Yeah. You know, when you compare it to a, a an old Fiat 500 or you know a Mini or something like that. So it gets really tough. And and the other thing too is you know two really weird decisions. And I remember texting you about this when we were first playing the PSP version. Brand is uh, GTI Club to me, especially Plus, 
is known for, or one of its key uh, qualities, is that open world gameplay where it rewards you for playing the tracks over and over again to a point where you know where all the roads go. You also have a map in the original game too. Um, and you have a map in this one, but it doesn't kind of show you the whole world at once, so it's not extremely useful. But it's one of those games that rewards you learning the world, learning, learning the quickest path. And then, of course, once you've learned the quickest path, you don't have much of an incentive to deviate off of it, whatever. In I think in GTI Club Plus, and my memory is sort of failing me here, but the way that game approached it is like you'd have an event where you were just on one path. It, it, it selected, it was rigid, and you had to do it. And then, you know, after a few races of that, just a couple, then they were like, okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to have you on this lap, you're going to take this path. On the second lap, you're going to take a different path. On the third lap, you're going to take another different path. And and then you got to see, you know, in your head, especially if you were playing Bomb Tag 2, where the whole world is open, you get to create a picture of, okay, I've learned the world. I know where the speed is. And then finally, you know, you have the, the races where you can go anywhere you want. And, and the AI does, and it's really cool. And that's GTI Club Plus. Super Mini Festa belabors this to such an off-putting degree where in the beginner stages, which take you, you know, probably take you two or three hours. I think if you want to gold everything, like, it's going to take you maybe beginner, maybe like two hours to gold everything. Yeah. And you don't get to ever deviate from the path. Intermediate, which is going to take you probably like twice that because then the game starts <laughs> to get actually difficult. Then they're doing more of the hand holding, but you know, it's kind of it changes the path on every lap. You don't get to actually experience what, in my opinion, is GTI Club's biggest quirk and strength of that open world gameplay until you get to the advanced portion. You've already put in like probably five or six hours. And at this point, the game has gotten too hard for you to actually keep playing. And it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's really upsetting and and the other upsetting thing too is like the quest mode is just one-on-one -on -one races um yeah. you don't have yeah. that that you know uh four-player battle that you know 1v1 v1 v1 of of the arcade game and of gti club plus and i was thinking maybe it's a a constraint on the PSP version. They can't have too many different cars. But the PSP one, if you play the arcade mode, you can play against three other cars, three other CPUs. So I just don't understand the rationale behind that. You know, it, it make the game a little bit more exciting. Um, the one-on-ones get really kind of annoying because you're always just focused on that one guy who just never leaves you alone. Or, you know, if you're playing the advanced mode, like... They, they, they rock it off the start immediately and you will never catch them. And yeah, just, just very weird decisions all around. And, and I wish that they, there are some cases where the handholding is too much. There are a lot of cases where the game doesn't tell you anything and there's, you know, you could use some more <laughs> handholding and it always just seems to be the wrong decision at the wrong time. Yeah. The one V one races thing is especially frustrating because like you say, the, the game's at its best when it's the frantic, fast-paced racing, and I would argue like the one v ones aren't so much about beating the other driver, but just mastering the correct line and the correct way to go around a track. So, um, especially in those higher difficulties, aside from having to use some blocking techniques and stuff, it does become a case of if I'm able to nail this lap in this way, then I'll know I'll win. As opposed to, well, the thing about GTI Club is that the 
the kind of the traffic plays a large part in the races, but so too does the fact that you're trying to squeeze these four hatchbacks into like a single lane of, of a road and the, the kind of the chaos that causes and even in Super Manifesta's case, the crashes are a lot more kind of pronounced and, and really hold you up gameplay wise. Oh god, yes. Um, compared to GTI Club yeah. Plus, for example. But like aside from like you fucking up and hitting traffic, how often are you able to kind of railroad the CPU into hitting traffic and that type of thing? It doesn't really happen because like you say in the, the beginner races you're too quick and then in the intermediate one they're too quick. So you never really have that kind of wheel to wheel action really unless you you get pretty fortunate in the sense that your speed almost matches the CPUs identi- identically. So it's quest mode. It, it has those warts, and it's so funny that it's still such an enjoyable experience when it tries to remove everything that makes GTI Club so great when it comes to the race mode. Yeah, the CPU is either infallible in certain modes or or a pushover, which is really funny. Like car football, for example. When the first time you <laughs> yeah. do car football in quest mode and it's like beginner, I, I scored like 12 goals in that game. I shut the computer out. It was hilarious. Um, tomato battle too, which is a mode where you it's like you actually shoot tomatoes at other cars. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it is so easy to beat the computer. They, they barely move. They barely fire. But you go back to that same event in advanced mode, and God, you, you can't lose a computer. They're always on your ass. They respawn in the most inconvenient place for you every time you get them. And it just, yeah, clearly a lot of thought was not put into the difficulty tuning at all. Um, and, you know, yeah. it's it's unfortunate. And, and, and I think what is especially unfortunate about it is, like, this game really is a case of having come out too early because no one was ever going to really experience the multiplayer. I don't even, I, I to be honest, I don't even know what Super Mini Festus multiplayer looks like. On PSP, it might have just been ad hoc. But yeah. no one was going to do that, right? Today, you could, and today you could have actually like a thriving, I don't want to say thriving, but you could, you would have more people doing the multiplayer side of things. The GTI Club Plus on the PS3 benefited from that. And. A game like this, I think, is actually strongest, especially when the AI is as borked as it is. A game like this is strongest when you have other people. I mean, I imagine like doing some of those like open world races uh, for players has to be a blast because like you know you, you you think you've lost somebody and then they show they rejoin the track and they show up in front of you. You're like, where'd that guy come from? Like, it must have been a lot of fun <laughs> to play this in the yeah. multiplayer setting, maybe in the arcades. I don't know if they ever did like four-player deluxe cabs. I, I would assume probably not. Um, but that is where I think this game has a lot of potential, and that is something that obviously today you can't experience. And um, I, you know, I don't think Konami doesn't really make video games anymore, so I, I think the chances of it coming <laughs> back are non-existent. But um, yeah, it, it makes you think like, huh, a game like this could actually be more fun, um, you know versus you know playing playing against our people versus playing against the computer so just a quick sidebar on the arcade side of things and the four player cab so there is actually a, a four cab version of gti club super manifesta and it's this like incredible um kind of monaco cafe looking machine like if you look it up adam you'll be able to see it but basically it's got like a canopy over the driver's seats and then behind the 
the seats themselves. There's like kind of brickwork and like a little plant and like a menu as if it looks like a cafe menu oh but it's my just God. like features about the game. Oh, I love this. <laughs> this is so cool. This is one of the coolest arcade machines I've ever seen. Yeah. It has a it has so, like, an awning. <laughs> above it and then there's like plants i mean it literally yeah like you're saying they made it look like a cafe what like creative arcade design uh arcade cap design yeah it's it's just everything about gti club has that level of creativity that we often slam games for to kind of tie it back to the whole blue skies arcade racer thing Everybody obviously wants to see a return to great arcade racing games, but I think that the common point of criticism we often say is that people look too much to what's come in the past and, and try to replicate that instead of what actually inspires those games to be unique in the first place. So the thing about Genki and Konami working on Super Mini Festa, it's just interesting how they, they knew full well to kind of deviating from Sumo's version of Plus with the colourful graphics and stuff would create an odd looking game for many people but in reality once you actually play it like it just gives it that very unique feel that right away you're like yep that that super mini festa it's, it's so strange of all companies i didn't think it'd be konami that would have a title like this that has so much kind of heart to it because we can go on and on about the warts in this game and there are many of them but i just love the fact that it's a GTI club is very GTI club. There isn't really that many experiences that are similar to it. And when when you get into an intense game of bomb tag, for example, it, that's when like the physics really show their might. The cars are very snappy and easy to turn, but when you're actually being chased by a car with similar kind of physics credentials yeah. and on tracks like these. It becomes amazing how a car that you feel can do anything suddenly starts to feel claustrophobic to control in these streets. And the way that the AI work in these modes too, it's just fucking so ruthless that... I was actually scared the amount of times it kind of recognised what turn I was going to take. I mean, I thought I was being smart and doubling back, it would already have predicted it and shit. It was incredible fun and like you're saying, man, can you just imagine like in 2021, say eight of us going to like a GTI club fucking plus plus lobby or some shit <laughs> and like having a game of bomb tag it would just be incredible and th to kind of bring in GTI club plus again because I know we haven't talked that much about it I absolutely adored bomb tag on PSN because it used to do this thing where you could basically use a webcam or the PlayStation Eye at the time oh, to take right. like five different photos photo for when you pass the bomb photo for when you blew up, a photo for when uh, you got caught, and then there was like, two other ones, I can't remember what they were, but basically any time that you interacted with a player that had set these up, it would show that photo on their screen. Oh my god. That's <laughs> the bomb or whatever. <laughs> but then it would also do the thing that COD kind of teased with in the Modern Warfare series, where if you're kind of in close proximity to another car, you would hear like, their voice chat a little wow. bit. Wow. <laughs> so it would create this like, really funny experience where you had to time like the fuck you perfect <laughs> whenever you were going to hit them with the bomb and then it would appear with the photo. And honestly, man, there was like no moderation whatsoever for those photos. So some of the <laughs> shit that people used to fucking throw up in a big giant square on your screen. Ah, oh, it was absolutely hilarious. And even more so because obviously... At the start of the bomb tag, you all start in this parking lot, so that's where everybody can hear all the voice chat. And then when all the cars just like disperse, you hear the voice chat getting lower and yeah. lower as the cars drive away and stuff. It was that was really cool. And like Super Mini Festa, 
Obviously, being on the Wii and PSP, you probably didn't have either of those features. I think that's pretty much a guarantee. But even still, just that core bomb tag experience with this handling, oh, unbelievable. Yeah, the handling really plays to the game's strengths because it's um, it has this interesting mechanic where, uh, taking aside the curb dash side of it, which was not not a thing in GTI Club Plus, if I remember correctly, um, no. y- you can. There's no handbrake to my knowledge, but if you let off the gas in a corner, that basically functions as a handbrake. And and I think if you're really good at this game, you never use the brake. Um, you just yeah. kind of deal with one one button driving essentially, uh, and just managing the throttle. And it's very simple, but it's not brainless. Like to me, like Ridge Racer PSP post post Ridge Racer 5 Ridge Racer is brainless it drives for you and it's one button this game is not like that this game really requires um, skill and finesse you know to the level where it makes you want to destroy your PSP but uh, but yeah it's it's definitely one of a kind in that way Um, and yeah I mean I, I think that pretty much sums up all of my feelings on GTI Club uh I think that if you, you know, if you if you had Super Mini Festa or if you had GTI Club Plus back in the day, you're very lucky. And I wish I could revisit that game. Um, I, I assume that there is some way that you know the Wizards of Emulation can can make that game uh, run on the PC or something like that today. But uh, regardless of that, I would say if you've never played Super Manifesto or pass you ba- pass you by back in the day like it did with me, go check it out. It- it's gonna frustrate you at a certain point, but those first couple of hours are gonna be so much fun if you like old school arcade racing games. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it always takes you by surprise as well how fun it is from the offset because when I, I posted a clip of it to Twitter a, a few weeks ago. And even some of the most kind of storied racing game documentaries and stuff through YouTube, through podcasts, whatever. So you actually see messages like, well, well wait, how do I play this? What is this? Yep. <laughs> that type of thing. So it's it, honestly like GTI Club, it, it's as it shares many traits with the cars it includes, I suppose. It's a very tight compact experience, but there's a lot of depth there and fun to be had. And for me, it's one of these seasons that it wouldn't be the first in my list of games I would like to return, but man, I can just imagine with how great like multiplayer connectivity and organising multiplayer sessions is nowadays, you could lose a full fucking night with some beers playing online GTI Club. Just like I just fucking imagine like a shuffle mode where it just randomly chooses like events from races <laughs> to bomb tag, whatever. Just like you just having a fantastic time and it I mean like you were saying earlier Adam it's also Konami so that's literally never ever going to happen right. just because they barely make games anymore in the first place but you know what we, we get a, a dime a dozen for all these like Blue Sky Sega recreated games or homages maybe somebody listening will look at GTI Club and actually be like you know what maybe that's something we could look to next yeah I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the uh the indie developers on the scene who are making homages to Burnout, uh, who are making homages to um, Wipeout and uh, Virtual Racing and stuff like that, 
Haven't looked at other games. GTI Club obviously is very niche, so that so that doesn't surprise me. But like, I'm I'm surprised no one's like doing their own Indie Ridge Racer. Like that's kind of amazing to me. You would think there's so much Ridge yeah. Racer love out there these days. I'm kind of amazed that no one has tried that. Um, and you know, as we talked about on the stream a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, Ridge Racer uh, at a certain at a certain point was was being worked on so there there's gotta be there's gotta be some energy there uh in the indie community the retro community and the people who have the talent to do it to bring to bring stuff like that back and who knows uh i mean that's that is kind of the beauty of the uh of the current uh landscape of of gaming is that you know maybe the series that we want to be big and popular and come back you know aren't aren't doing that but there always yeah. exists a talent out there and and someone willing to try and you know that's the next best thing so you know in terms of closing for gti club as well there's one thing i'd like to point out that everybody should do but have a look at the old arcade uh, leaflets and promos for gti mm -hmm. club because it's so fucking hilarious like konami for some reason had it in their mind that this game would be predominantly played by like middle class white businessmen and their wives. Oh right, right. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> about this. And there's like there's so many fucking promo ones where it's like this very like un arcade audience all like clubbed around GTI club machines and it's so fucking strange looking. Um, I just love the idea that that's who they were selling yeah, it towards. Because if you look, there's like a whole family, sorry, right? <laughs> like playing. There's like an old, there's like a, a kid, but then there's like a businessman and his wife or something. And yeah, <laughs> it's very, very, very odd. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think that in terms of these homage games as well, just to kind of end that convo. Um, there, there is so much kind of inspiration out there and I, I get the want to always go after the kind of big names and stuff but you'll be surprised that if you actually dip into an area like this there'll be loads of us that actually see what it's trying to recreate but there'll be plenty of an audience as well who don't even know what GTI right. Club is it's almost like you're kind of taking over the reins for trying to make a game like this and in terms of these titles coming back and stuff like Super Monkey Ball getting a massive comeback even though it's not a racing game that's like a huge that's a huge indicator to me that there is actually an audience for games that aren't so vocal about it. Maybe in some corners there was a vocal element that wanted that series to have a proper return. But as soon as that was announced, like you've seen a lot of hype generated from it, especially because it was done right. So for even outside of the indies, like the big name publishers and the developers, and maybe this is kind of a more thinly veiled hit towards Sega to maybe look at it again. Like... The audiences for these type of things are here, and they don't have to be bombastic AAA experiences. I think there's more than enough of them out there these days. All it needs to be is a, a nice fateful recreation or a, a a nice kind of jump and progression for the series that will make it fun to play and add some new ideas. And most people will be happy. I don't think anybody, for example, with a Ridge Racer title would want it to be like the most pretty, incredible game out there where people spent hours in photo mode. We just want to drift some fucking cars fast and have fun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Don't don't overcomplicate it. Uh, the the one thing I, I didn't comment on that you just reminded me is the soundtrack in Super Mini Festa is incredible. It, it is so much oh, better yes. than it has any right to be. <laughs> I think that helps the game a lot. Um, and if you go back and you look at uh, footage of like the GTI Club Attract Mode in the arcades back in the the, the 1996 version. 
it's just so like funky and endearing and it's got a great like like I, I don't even the samples and stuff that they're using in in the soundtrack are just very strange and it just has a great energy to it um a great like weird sort of 90s japan energy to it um and yeah there's 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 nothing out there like it so uh i'm, I'm definitely you know the, the the music you'll be hearing in this episode is going to be a lot of gti club stuff so if if that doesn't get you to, to check the game out or at least uh listen to the ost on youtube i i don't know what will <laughs> but, yeah oh man like the, the soundtrack's fucking incredible there's a lot of slap bass in there if you're fans of the slap bass and the um oh the, the final lap theme as well is just yeah. incredible yeah. um the, the whole thing just has that really hype feeling to it that backs up the it's gonna sound strange it like almost backs up the movements of the cars because they they kind of go around corners so cartoony and stuff in this like kind of realistic looking world that the the soundtrack just kind of gives it that bit of depth it, it's hard to explain but the, the game in itself is just such a well put together package there is a there's an announcer in there as well who is as corny as you can imagine, and most crucially, it does actually say the words "time extend" when you go through checkpoints. It does. It so. does. That's true. Uh, GTI Club Two, by the way, like this is something I wish they did in Super Mini Festa. When if you watch the a track for that, when the cars go off a jump and they land, they kind their their three D model deforms in like a, a a flattening way a little bit, so they kind of. <laughs> They kind of, like, jiggle and, like, bounce when they land. And, like, kind of like if you ever played Sonic the Fighters, when you hit another player or, you know, the the enemy in Sonic the Fighters, um, their their 3D model deforms in a cartoonish, like, way. It gets kind of a little bit flattened or it kind of jiggles a little bit. And it's just so... it, it, It just so plays to the charm of the game and is so at odds with, like, the kind of... Uh, you know, sort of played down muted color palette and everything. It's I, I think it's really cool. Uh, and it's just stuff like that that, you know, really makes uh, really makes GTI Club its own thing. Uh, so can't, can't can't say enough. Go go check these games out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, like if you like things like Midtown Madness and the like, you're already akin to those kind of smaller cars yeah, cruising sure. about cities and stuff. So it's worth playing it it's not really that similar an experience i think that's to gti club's credit that it manages to distinguish itself but those 20s and stuff on metacritic are like so far from oh the truth God. especially from like see. from Eurogamer, man <laughs> like Eurogamer to me like yeah. they always champion this stuff but i guess back in 2010 it wasn't maybe maybe it hadn't been gone long enough for people to really appreciate it uh, you know, maybe that had something to do with it. I mean, look, if if the Wii version plays like the PSP version, it's the best racing game on the platform. Like, I don't know, except for maybe like Excite Truck, it's probably yeah. number one because there were no good racing games on the Wii. <laughs> so, you know, right there, right there, GTI Club deserves some praise. Uh, but, uh, I mean, just reading that extracts from it. What was once a crisp and breezy racing gem with hilarious handbrake turns on PSN now just looks and feels horribly amateurish in every department. Yeah, I don't. And and the funny thing <laughs> is, like, to say that the to say that GTI Club Plus was like 
the proper, you know, the apex of that series and the proper version of that game <laughs> is to basically is to suggest that, uh, you know, the original games were were amateurish too, because Super Mini Festa shares so much more in common with those than with the Sumo Digital recreation. Look, I love Sumo Digital. I I think Sumo Digital, if you look at their track record, is probably like one of the best racing game developers of the last you know twenty years, but at the same yeah. time doesn't really honor the original game and it doesn't really you know it, it is it is a different thing it's it's kind of like as much as i love sega rally revo i'll always say like sega rally revo doesn't really feel like a sega rally to me it's a very good game but it, it's not yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different thing um but yeah yeah i mean it's it's one of these ones where i think with racing games you always have to play them to see how you feel about them anyway but just looking at things here like devoid of challenge uh, handling <laughs> who, who way could too easy. Ever, if you say that this game is devoid <laughs> of challenge you did like the first maybe three events in the quest mode and and you called it a night you never played you never picked it up again <sighs> this is one of the hardest games i've ever played in my life i'm not making that up yeah. i'm not exaggerating it is fucking brutal it really is, and it, I, I, I just love the way that Eurogamer ended the review as well. Its existence in 2010 is entirely redundant, and yet here we are in 2021 dedicating a full hour of discussion to it. Once again, we said this might be one of the most time-extended episodes we've done. If Eurogamer thought the game's existence was unjustified 11 years ago, and we are here now talking about it, then we're doing our job correctly, Adam. <laughs> Exactly. Let's all let's all go join the GTI club now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to about wrap it up. Uh, everyone as always, thank you so much for listening and uh, hopefully you'll you'll hear from us again uh, a, a little bit more soon than than maybe this last break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening, guys.